Hey, CBC family, so happy to be able to worship with you today. You might notice things look a little bit different here this morning. I'm here in my dining room because Tori, last week, tested positive for COVID-19. And uh, so we've been quarantined. She feels great. She's kind of achy and tired. But other than that, she feels good. Praise the Lord. And uh, those of you that have been paying attention to our air condition, we had some problems with that. And praise the Lord, the same day that she tested positive, our air condition is working. It's feeling great. So now that we have to be in the house all the time, uh, we at least are cool. So uh, thank you for those of you that have reached out and just uh, poured love onto our family. Uh, we feel so encouraged by all of you praying for us and thinking about us. Those of you that brought stuff by and text Tori and let her know how uh, you cared about her and you were thinking about her and praying for you, uh, praying for her. Man, that just meant so much to her and encouraged her and, and, and encouraged me too. So uh, let's go ahead and jump in. Hopefully you've been enjoying the worship so far. Let's go ahead and jump in to the message today. Part three of Before I Go. Dearly Father, Lord, I pray today, God, as we worship together, Lord, that you connect us together, Lord. Those that feel like they might be uh, disconnected today, I pray you'd help them to feel like they belong and that they're part of this family. Help us to reach out to those that might uh, be lonely today, God. As this goes on, Lord, we just have to keep that on our mind over and over again. God, I pray we would systematically go through all of those people, God, that we're connected with through the church and check in on them, Lord. Help us to love our church family. God, help us to uh, just pour out encouragement and help us to be known for the fact that we have love for one another. God, I pray as we look at this uh, last chapter in this letter uh, from Peter to the Christians, God, that you would encourage us and help us to uh, just see your hand all over our life. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to jump back into the letter that Peter wrote to all these Christians, the second letter that he wrote to encourage them. In this letter, Peter has been pouring out his heart like a father does for his children and, and letting them, him, them know everything that they need to know before he is no longer with them. And in just three short chapters, he's trying to just distill everything that he wants his friends and fellow believers in Christ to know before he has to go. In the first chapter, Peter told us that everything that we need is found in Jesus, and we must mature in our faith, and we've got to grow. In the second chapter, uh, Peter passionately warns them that false teachers will slip into the church. And in this last chapter, Peter encourages the believer to live with eternity in mind because the day of the Lord will come. And that's where we start off in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. He says, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by a way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Peter loved these people that he was sending this letter to. They were going to read this letter. He loved them. He wanted to see them succeed. He wanted them to remember all the things that they needed to live a life of faith. And he wanted to remember all the things that Jesus said, the prophets said, and the apostles told them. Verse 3. He says, knowing this 
first of all. He says, this is what I want you to have on your mind more than anything else, that scoffers will come, those that will make fun of what you believe and what make fun of this Christ that you're waiting for, scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. And they're going to be following their own sinful desires. And they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as if they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed of water and through water, but by the word of God. And that means of these world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth are now exist, are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Hey, I want to encourage you as we go through this, we might not have those verses down there at the bottom, so open your Bible and check this out because this is some awesome stuff. Peter just warned them that the closer that they get to the coming of Christ, the more people will mock, the more people people will scoff that belief that Jesus is coming back. And they'll say things like, where is Jesus? If he's going to come back, why hasn't he come back yet? See, they don't want to think about the hereafter. They don't want to think about the next life because they want to follow their sinful desires. And in order to do that, they must keep thoughts of God and right and wrong at a distance. They don't want to think about the next life because that would change how they act towards this life. Tony Evans tells us that these verses paint a picture of a deist, not an atheist. These people don't question that God exists, but rather that they operate under this belief that God isn't very involved in their lives. These are people that believe in God, except for he doesn't actually interact with them, doesn't expect them to do anything in their life. They live day to day with the belief that God is far away and that he doesn't want them to personally do anything and that all they need to do is not hurt anyone and God will be pleased. Just keep God in his place. God belongs in the church. God belongs in your private time. Don't actually let him affect your life in any way. And they say things like, well, things are just how they've always been. Why do I need to consider what God wants me to do? In fact, where is God even at? But Peter goes on to remind them that God has interfered in history. And God has punished sin and held the wicked accountable. Once through a flood and once again he will hold the wicked and accountable. Uh, uh, you know, he will bring that judgment once and for all in the future. And these mockers and scoffers are foolish to tempt the power of God. Verse 8, he says, but do not overlook this one fact. Peter tells him, look, don't forget this one thing, beloved that the day uh, with the Lord, one day, is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but he is patient towards you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. These were people that were questioning, why is God taking so long to setting things uh, right, 
Why is he taking so long? And, and Peter urges his beloved friends, don't be like the scoffers. Instead, remember, even when God's work seems to be taking longer than you think it should, God is still good and God is in control. See, what God can do in one day more than any other human could do in thousands and thousands of years. God is not bound by your perception of time. See, this thing that you think would take so long to turn around, God can turn it around in an instant. Because with God, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And don't worry about the fact that your circumstance seems like it would take years to fix. God can fix it today. God can do it. And God has not forgotten. God has not delayed his promise, but he is patient. Why? Why? Because he wants to save every last person possible. And I'm so glad that God loves the world, right? I'm glad for that, that he wants to wait. He's being patient. He's not slow. He's waiting. He wants every person that will repent to repent. Isn't that amazing? And if you were the last person to get saved before Jesus came back, you would be so glad that he waited. So look, if you want to further the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the world, then tell someone about Jesus. Participate in that coming of the kingdom. See, Jesus loves every person on this earth, and he wants them all to repent. And if you're listening today and you have not asked for forgiveness of your sins, and you have not uh, put your faith in him, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus alone, and in the fact that he died on the cross and stepped into history. If you haven't made that choice yet, now is the day to do it. Do it right now. But see, we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Have you ever had something stolen? There's nothing sneakier or more surprising than a thief, right? Noah had his bike stolen in the winter sometime. We're assuming maybe uh, door got left open or maybe he even left it outside, but we didn't notice it for months because it was too cold to ride. I had my car broken into in the staff parking lot at the church in broad daylight. And when that happens, people say things like, well, I, it's always when you least expect it. I don't know about you, but I'm very little time am I actually anticipating a thief. Are you anticipating the coming of Jesus? The Bible says it's going to come as a thief. And when he comes, everything is going to change. A new heaven, a new earth, everything old and broken will pass away with a roar. And when that happens, it will be painfully clear which life you invested in, this life or the next life. When this all passes away, you're going to know what you found important. Verse 11, since all these things are thus, to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt and burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Peter's reminding them of the prophecy from Isaiah that says that one day the sky will be peeled back like a scroll at the coming of the day of the Lord. He tells them everything that you can see, taste, touch, smell, all of that, everything that is within your senses is going to pass away so that we 
can go into this next life. So we should live like all of this stuff is just temporary because it is. Don't base your life on your senses. Don't base your life on what you can hold and touch. Base your life on something that will last past this life. Peter says, so what sort of person are you going to be? A temporary person? One that lives for just the momentary? Or someone that lives for the long run? The new heavens and the new earth will be perfect and things will be set right once and for all. All evil, all injustice, and all pain, will everything that is broken will be purged out of the earth and a new heaven and a new earth will emerge. And this new heaven will be a place that is permeated and based on the fact that we are made to love God and love our neighbor. And that command will be fulfilled by everyone. Can you wait for that? A whole world that is based on loving God and loving our neighbor. Peter wraps up this letter with a recap of everything that he's trying to remind these Christians. Everything you need to know before I go. Verse 14, he says, Therefore, all of this, therefore, because of this, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot, without blemish, and at peace. He says, because of that, you need to seek to be holy. You need to seek to leave behind the sinful things. And remember to be at peace because this is all just temporary. And count the patience of the Lord as salvation. Be glad that he's waiting. It is a grace. It is mercy that he's waiting to come back because he's waiting to come back for just the right time. Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him as he does in all of his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Peter once again highlights that we as believers need to make every effort to be holy, not to gain our salvation, but to, to bring glory to the Lord and to live with eternity in mind and to remember that this is all just temporary. And he reminded them that, look, false teachers are out there that are going to infiltrate the church and they want to twist scripture into a weapon for their own desires. And they're going to want to fool you and trick you into believing things about this life and about God that aren't true. And we've seen that throughout uh, history where people have taken the Bible to promote slavery or genocide and they've taken a verse out of scripture and they've used it to do horrible things and and to prop up their hateful attitudes i heard it explained one day like this you know we could try and blame the bible for that fact that someone would twist it and take it out of context and use it to do horrible things but just like we wouldn't blame the bible for that fact we don't blame paul mccartney for the fact that Charles Manson killed all those people, right? Uh, because if you don't know about that story, he took basically one song from the Beatles, and well, the song Helter Skelter, 
And he used that as motivation. He thought the words were speaking to him. And he twisted that song and did some horrible things. But we don't blame Paul McCartney for that. And neither should we blame the Bible for when people take it out of context and twist it to do evil things. But people are going to do that because they're selfish and they have their own desires and they have their own motivation. So we have to be wary of that. We have to know the scripture. And if you don't know the scripture, you will get tricked. They want to fool you and trick you into believing things about God that are not true. They'll talk godly, but they'll live a rebellious and ungodly life. You're going to know them by their attitudes. They'll be self-promoting. They'll be self-centered. And because of all this counterfeit out there, we have to study the genuine. Because there are lies, you need to study the truth. So don't get swept away by the wickedness and deceit of this world, but grow in grace and knowledge. Don't be content to stagnate in your Christian walk. Don't allow your faith to wither. You have to grow in your faith. Noah's grown a foot since uh, we moved here three years ago. We have this uh, big wooden roller. And this is where uh, Noah started out uh, in uh, 2018. And here's where he's at right now. He's almost taller than his mom now. But don't you wish that we could have something like this for our faith where we could mark? Uh, here I was in 2016. Oh, well, look, here I was in 1997. And, and this is how I have grown in my faith. Well, the Bible tells us the fruits of the Spirit are the evidence of our salvation. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. These are the proofs of your salvation. They're the fruit of your salvation. And you should be able to take a ruler like this and hold it up to your life and say, hey, this is unnatural. I didn't used to be like this. Hey, this isn't what I really want to do in my own flesh and my own personality, but this is what I'm doing because God loved me so much. I wouldn't forgive in this instance, but because God loves me, I'm going to forgive. I wouldn't be patient with this person, but because God loves me, I'm going to be patient. And we can measure our faith by looking and holding them up to the fruits of the Spirit. Am I more like Jesus? Is my faith growing stronger? Has there ever been a time in my life when my faith was stronger than it is right now? We have to grow, not for our glory, but for God's glory. Peter in this letter is direct and bold, but it comes from a place of intense love and passion for these people and for the truths that he's proclaiming. He is passionate that Jesus loves the world and will set it right, that God rescued the world through Jesus and is longing for everyone to accept that rescue. Because God loves us, he must confront evil and injustice and deal with it. In God's timing, he will do just that and he will reshape the world into what it was intended to be before the fall and before sin rushed into the world and broke everything. This idea of the coming of the Lord comes out just about every time we preach through a book of the Bible. Do you really believe that Jesus is coming back? Do you really believe that there is a next life and there is something that we're living for? Check yourself. Check your investment portfolio. Is your life investing simply in the right now? Are you investing in the next life? If so, that's not wise. The next life is so much longer. 
How often are you reminded of the fact that this world is not your home? Are you getting real comfortable here? Do you fit in? Is there no difference between you and someone that isn't even a follower of Jesus? You don't belong here. But if you're a child of God, there is a place that you belong. And Jesus is coming back to make this all right. So Peter tells them, before I go, you've got to grow in your faith. Because lies and false teachers will challenge your faith. So beware. Jesus is coming back to set all of this right. And once and for all, your faith will be sight. And that's the challenge to you. Grow in your faith. You've got to beware of false teachers. People are going to try and pull you away from what's right. Just because they say they're a Christian doesn't mean they are living the Bible. And you've got to remember, this is just temporary. We're living for the eternal. Jesus is coming soon. That's the challenge for me today, church, and that's the challenge for you. Thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us. I can't wait. We're going to sing another song here in just a minute. And we want to thank you for once again uh, supporting us as a church and, and with your tithes and your offerings. And I want to thank you for coming alongside the CBC Care Closet. Uh, if you want to continue to give to that, you can go on the giving page and you can uh, just enter uh, in above and beyond and you can designate an amount to give right to there above your tithes and your offerings. Thank you so much for loving us, church. I'm so blessed to be your pastor, and uh, I certainly don't deserve it. And it's only because of the glory of God and because God is gracious and merciful. Uh, we just want to uh, just wrap our arms around you uh, spiritually and metaphorically and just tell you that we love you. And uh, so glad that you joined us. Stay tuned just for a minute. And we'll sing another song. Uh, can't wait till we can all be back together. Don't forget our uh, drive-in uh, church is moved. We're still going to do it. And we're probably going to do our best to try and do uh, a few more of these now that we've uh, kind of refined a way that we think we can do it. And I uh, can't wait to do that with you. We love you so much, church. Stay tuned for some music.